Hey, what's going on, everybody? Listen to Seggy Station. It's the man that has a nickname, always a lot to say with no shame. Monday, January 4th, 2021. Hope all is well out there with everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Nick Seglian here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. Appreciate all the love and support everyone's been showing to the podcast over the past few weeks. As always, you can give me a follow on my Instagram page at Seggy Station, Twitter page at Seggy Station, and follow along with the live stream version of the pod on my Twitch stream. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. A lot to get to in the world of sports today after an unbelievable weekend of sports yet again. A wild week 17 across the NFL with seven playoff spots still available the most since 1990. All those being clinched, obviously, yesterday. The playoffs are now set. Obviously, a lot to get to in the Week 17 review across the NFL as well. Made it through two weeks of the NBA season. Most of those games, besides one being postponed, have been played. You're seeing some of the teams round into form. You're also seeing some of the standings set. And I think we're going to be able to see over the next few weeks really where some of these teams are at and i'm looking forward to linking up with rich and a couple of my other buddies chew duke's heading back to virginia and maybe get a few more special guests in here keep my fingers crossed on that but i'm going in solo today right now it's time for straight talk brought to you by seggy straight talk microphone it's always direct time to reflect and let me start with this <clears throat> i gotta give credit where credit is due let's give credit to the washington football team and, you know, it's crazy to even say that uh, the Washington football team, which after 87 years had to go through a name change this offseason, we've seen owner management turmoil and mainly revolving around sexual assault, harassment, allegations that have been persistent towards women that have worked in the facility. Not only that, you have a first-year head coach in Ron Rivera who has been battling skin cancer throughout the start of the season, was getting IVs during the game, was battling cancer and didn't miss a single practice or game. And just last week, we all know they had to release their former first-round pick in 2019 in Dwayne Haskins, who would went from starting to being the third string to back as the starter because you have a guy in Alex Smith who had been starting and started the game last night and won the game last night, clinching an AFC champion, uh, an NFC champion, East championship, I'm sorry. And Alex Smith did exactly what he had to do to win the game. Um, you know, here's a guy that he was told he might die. They might have to amputate his leg, might never be able to walk again, definitely might never be able to play football again. He had 17 surgeries and... Everything that he went to just to get back onto the field, I don't take that for granted. And every time this man drops back, I'm literally cringing because you can see sometimes when he goes to throw, he wants to stay off his right leg and he's trying to avoid getting hit, gets a little bit happy feet to try and make sure his leg is implanted into the ground. I mean, this is all stuff that mentally you just go with after playing and going through a major surgery like that, trying to play a sport again, regardless of being a professional athlete, just a regular uh, athlete, if you're going to go play pickup basketball, it's something I've had to battle as well. So I give a lot of shout out to Ron Rivera, the Washington football team, for just being able to galvanize around Chase Young and that defense to win the NFC East, to 
mark now it's six straight seasons that you've not had a repeat winner in the nfc east after the uh football team takes care of the philadelphia eagles last night and i think chase young is definitely the defensive rookie of the year up potentially even the defensive player of the year with what he's done to absolutely wreck games and personally win games on the defensive side of ball for his football team and have his team at seven and nine with all those stories I mentioned is quite incredible. And you have to give this team a bit of props with all the things that, that surrounded this team during the off season and all the things that I think are still going to uh, continue to surround this team with the issues we've seen with Dan Snyder and how they've been able to just Write the course and make it to the playoffs is, to me, pretty incredible. What also is slightly incredible to me is the way Doug Peterson handled that game last night. And, you know, I love my friends to death. My boy Duke, he's an Eagles fan. My boy Smikes, he's a Cowboys fan. My boy Chewy, he's a Broncos fan. We're not fans of any of the same teams, and we'll sit here and go back and forth all day because that's the type of people we are. But I have no idea how Duke's going to be able to look me in the face right now and explain to me what just happened last night and explain to me how that's not a fireable offense. If I'm a fan of that team, I am livid seeing how the head coach handled that final game last night. And and Duke's going to sit back and say, oh, we got a better draft pick. Well, yeah. And like, you got a better draft pick for sure, moving up three spots. But what really is that? And seeing four games from Jalen Hurts, who's completing 52% of his passes in this league, to me, I've not seen enough to make sure he's the guy. And after what we've seen out of Carson Wentz this year, and all the speculation surrounding Jeff Lurie and what he thinks of not only Carson Wentz, but Doug Peterson, he's scheduled to have a meeting with Doug Peterson tomorrow, which I assume he's sitting in there with his feet up on the desk, going to tell this man, yo, what, what the hell was that last night? And you put in Nate Suffield, who had two turnovers and didn't kick a field goal on... A chip shot to tie the game heading into the fourth quarter? Continuing to go for it on stupid fourth downs and make reckless decisions as a head coach that only got you to a Super Bowl because of Nick Foles playing out of his mind. And we've seen what Nick Foles has been everywhere else besides Philly. Let's just see what it is. He's not that great of a quarterback. So maybe he got plugged into what Carson Wentz did after before his injury, which everyone's still knocking on Carson Wentz and he's requesting a trade. But I think it's fair to question, this man's not even dressed last night. And you got guys out there, and Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and all the, Dallas Goddard, healthy scratches. You're trying to tell me that that's not a tank and you're not trying to blow that game? And okay, if you are. Is that really what you want, Duke? Like, when, when my team last year wasn't able to compete and win games, to me, that is the worst feeling in the world. Like, I'd much rather lose a game fighting, competing, having a chance to win than just go flat out lose a game on purpose or lose a game because we just know we can't compete. And to me, that's just flat out embarrassing. That's literally taking away the integrity of the game where you just literally threw away a game last night. And I'm not saying the Washington football team probably doesn't deserve it. I'm not even mad the Giants didn't win the NFC, uh, the NFC East, something I was certainly going in hard on all year. And I think the Giants had a great season. But to me, it's not even about that. It's about what Doug Peterson did. It's about how Doug Peterson handles himself talking to the media afterwards, straight lies. Like at least come out and tell me that that was a tank and that you weren't trying to win. By telling people that you're trying to win the game in that situation with Jalen Hurts, who had been not having his best game 
uh, since being inserted as the starting quarterback. But let's just be real here. This dude was the starting quarterback. You were trying to evaluate him. And I've heard many times Doug Peterson say, wins is trumping always evaluating a player. You wanted to evaluate a dude that's been on your team for four years? Why even draft Jalen Hurts? To me, everything that's going on in Philadelphia is fishy, and a lot of it has to do with Doug Peterson trying to think to just stick it in Jeffrey Lurie's face. In my opinion, it's going to get him fired. You know, I can't touch on the New York Giants because obviously we missed the playoffs, and obviously it's tough for me, a guy that was rooting for it all year, a guy that really I don't think anybody had this team winning the division all year, and when we're 1-7, obviously no one had it, us winning us winning it then. And my dude Smikes, Duke's brother, we get into it. He's a Cowboys fan. You know, I'll get into what happened with the Cowboys after this segment. But let me just say this, Smikes. If you're going to tell me that the Giants aren't a better football team than the Cowboys and the Eagles right now after this entire body of work we've seen through 17 weeks, I just don't know. I don't know how you're going to tell me that's I'm, I'm being biased. And I'm just I, I think I'm just spitting facts here, man. Defense ranked way higher. Defenses had us in games, if not won us games all year. Daniel Jones has been hurt for at least four games, a quarter of the season. We saw him a little bit healthier and being able to run last night. Before that, the dude couldn't even move. And we lost a few games in which I thought we could be in a little more competitive, obviously, if he was healthy or if Colt McCoy was in the game. Bad decisions by Joe Judge, in which everything else he's done this season, in my opinion, has been fantastic. So, there's so many good things to look at going forward here with this New York Giants football team, not only with cap space and contracts and young players on defense and Xavier McKinney, a rookie, getting after missing 10 games, getting the game-clinching interception last night. There's so many good things to look at here. The James Bradbury signing, Dave Gediman gets absolute credit for that. Blake Martinez coming in, leading the league in tackles, probably a pro, pro Bowl snub. There's a lot of issues with people coming at me just because I'm a Giants fan and saying, "Oh man, well if you had if the Washington Football Team had won, you're not your team's not even good." Like, all right, man. Like, that's fine. I feel like we played one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. I feel like we've had a quarterback that had a slight regression due to not only injury but a offseason that everyone else have to deal with, so there's no excuses when it comes to that. But you hear that as an excuse in a lot of situations, especially with these rookie quarterbacks, especially with guys going to new teams, especially with first-time head coaches, something that we had to deal with. I think it's important to mention the way we've played in these games, even that we've lost, the fight, the grit, the way we've played on special teams in terms of tackling, the way that we've been able to have the defense rank top 10 all year in the NFL. I think Daniel Jones, if he is able to be the guy can get us to the right spot if we have some more weapons around him. We obviously need a number one wide receiver. We obviously need a little more edge help on defense. But I believe we're in the right place with Joe Judge and with Daniel Jones. And I've been skeptical of him before. But we're getting Saquon Barkley back. Smike's trying to, trying to tell me he'll never be the same again. Well, what about your boy Ezekiel Elliott? Who's down nearly 50 yards from last season. With the fifth most carries in the league. The highest paid running back in the league. So, I don't understand... Why it's always coming at me when I go and look at some of these other situations and it's clear that mine is not the worst. It was for three years, if not four, maybe even five. Hadn't made the playoffs since 2016 to the New York Giants. Just miss out this year. But I'll tell you right now, 
We were closer than the Cowboys and the Eagles, no doubt about it. And we are closer going forward with this offseason as well. I think after this win, 23-19 over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, eliminating from the playoffs, gets us on the right direction in 2021. Looking for a good build and good draft and all those things, and hopefully we're on the right trend. So... Clearly, then you have to touch on the fact that the Cowboys potentially could have won this game. And I don't disagree with that at all. But what I will disagree with is you trying to tell me that this is my fault or the ref's fault. No, this is Mike McCarthy's fault that you probably lost that game. Why? Well, we all all saw it if you watched the game, 1 o'clock, Fox, about 345 Deontay Pettis, third and 16, after a horrible call, by the way. And there's horrible calls in games all the time. You see them all across the NFL every single given Sunday. So I don't want to hear any of that either. It happens to your team. It happens to my team. It happens to everyone's team. The Dallas Cowboys fans saying that they wouldn't be mad if they lost and then they lose and they're mad. But if they had won that game, they would have been in the exact same position as us. The Giants fans rooting for Washington to lose the game on Sunday night. So, I just don't get it. But then when you guys lose, all of a sudden you're trashing my team. We're not good. We should have lost the game. Your coach blew what he probably should have challenged. What What do you have a challenge flag for? You're looking up at the screen. Anybody could have seen it. I've seen him looking up at the screen. Oh, it's on the guys in the booth. He's not calling down saying, hey, man, you should probably challenge that. I mean, who has the challenge flag? The head coach? He's only challenged two plays all year. So, a lot of this to me falls back on not only the head coaching, but then Jerry Jones. Overpaying players who haven't performed up to that standard at all. Not to mention Ezekiel Elliott, which I can slightly give him a pass with multiple injuries on the offensive line and Dak Prescott. But Ezekiel Elliott being the highest paid running back in some of his statistics this year in terms of fifth most carries, in terms of 44th uh, ranked in terms of yards per carry, the dude is just not producing at that level And that, to me, is overpaid in a hard-type situation. What about Amari Cooper? A guy that's paid $20 million a year to produce, like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, these guys that are up echelon elite talent in the wide, in the NFL. Where's Amari Cooper been at? C.D. Lamb, supposed to be this spark, this guy, aside Amari Cooper. You know, he's not Justin Jefferson, that's for damn sure. And where is he at with Jerry Judy if we can get Drew Locke under control or a different quarterback in Denver? I mean, all this stuff to me is crazy. You overpay De- Dexter Lawrence, you over or Demarcus Lawrence, you overpay Jalen Smith. You got problems on the defensive side of the ball as well. I, I just don't know where the Cowboys are going to go from here with all these guys overpaid. 17 players, 20, month, 20 plus million dollar contracts going into this season. You talk about restructuring. You talk about being able to do all these things if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, but you don't even have a quarterback locked up yet. We don't even know what's going to go on with Dak Prescott. I mind you coming off a significant injury this season. So we'll see if Mike McCarthy's the answer. Six and ten in his first season with the Cowboys. Everyone's talked about his first year with the Packers didn't go so well, blah, blah, blah. Next year in the playoffs, you know, doing this, doing that. We'll see. It's a different situation. I see him. Like my dude Skip says, McSleepy. Like, what is he even doing? Like, he doesn't really do nothing. He doesn't call plays. He's not throwing challenge flags. 
He's not making good coaches decisions. And you've put yourself in this position now with Kellen Moore coming back and signing him an extension. A dude that was supposed to be off to Boise State and the reports had all that in the mix. None of it happened. It's just interesting to me to see how the NFC East is always considered the worst division, but is always super competitive, comes down to the end of the year, and I definitely argue that this division has been worse in other years. Mainly even, go look at last year. Two teams not even relevant. One team literally was throw, had they were saying the dude who won the division was throwing to bench chairs and nobody, and the Dallas Cowboys had a win-and-in situation and lost it. So, I don't know. I don't know what you expect. This happens every single year. And this division's like this every single year. And that's what we got this year. Another down to the wire NFC East in which the Washington football team claims it. 16 straight seasons, no repeat divisional winner champion in the NFC East. Mind blowing. What's not mind-blowing is the Jets firing Adam Gase. I think we all expected that. To me, what was not mind-blowing is Doug Marone being fired by the Jags. I was certainly right about that. 22-28. and 2-1 and one in the postseason in three seasons, but that was his first season. We all remember Blake Bortles, that epic collapse against the New England Patriots. Did hear just about 30 minutes before I came on the pod that Anthony Lynn was fired by the LA Chargers. And that I was right about. And people are going to probably have some backlash on that. Well, they won four straight games. Well, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 38 to 21 on the last play, or, you know, the last game of the week, winning four straight and all this stuff. It's the same old song and dance with Anthony Lynn. And I'm glad that I was right about Anthony Lynn. I don't want anyone to be fired. It's a tough time for everyone across the NFL, not only coaches, families, uh, coaches, families. I mean, it's so, it's so many people that get affected on these few weeks, no, mainly this day and next day and the next week, really, with the NFL and, and vacancies. But, you know, with, with what going on with Justin Herbert this year, rookie season, 300 next. 396 completions, most ever for a rookie. 4,336 passing yards, second most ever for a rookie. 31 passing TDs, most ever for a rookie. Shattered Baker Mayfield's record by five, I believe. Five rushing touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. Everyone should be back fully healthy this year. The future is extremely bright with this team. And what we've seen all along with the LA Chargers is them losing close games in tragically close fashion in which the coach tends to blow it. So, yeah, four seasons there. He had his chance. It didn't bode well. You shouldn't mess up this opportunity in Justin Herbert, who's the real deal. And I'll say it right now. I got the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, that is, making the playoffs next year in the NFL. Justin Herbert is unreal, and I don't see him declining at all. I only see that defense coming back healthier, the weapons being healthier, getting a few more people in there, Austin Eckler being around all year. I mean... This dude, Justin Herbert, is by far going to be, I think, the best in his class. And I was certainly right on that kid. It'll be interesting to see what they do at head coach. There is a lot of people swarming around the rumor mill in terms of hot offensive coordinators. Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, Eric Bellamy of the Kansas City Chiefs. Urban Meyer and a couple of... 
college head coaches finding their names in the conversations as well, along with John or Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry, but I believe he's going to stay at Michigan. Uh, Jason or uh, Ryan Day or whatever uh, Ohio State head coach. They're playing in the Natty. We'll see what he decides to do. But it'll be interesting to see with now the Jets, Jags, Texans, Lions, Chargers, Falcons, all six of those head coaching vacancies available across the league. Maybe I think to be a few more to come. Doug Peterson and see if any GMs get the X as well. Trying to look across the league quickly to see if I think anyone else would get fired. And I just don't see that happening. Maybe Bruce Arians, depending on if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Um, Vic Vangio, I thought, should have, but he seems to be getting retained. So, I think that's about it in terms of that. Let me get into more of the games that happened yesterday. Let me go off with a little bit of where Segi was right, where Segi was wrong, going all the way back to be first the beginning of the year predictions. I had the Bills winning the AFC East. The Bills, number two seed in the AFC. You got Josh Allen, absolutely elite this season. Up there in the MVP conversations, in my opinion, they're a Hail Mary away from a 10-game win streak. They are a top-five scoring defense since Week 12, are the Buffalo Bills. They have brought in Kenny Stills. They have John uh, John Brown back off of IR. Stephon Diggs is leading the league in receptions. The defense is what we always, I thought, prided on Bill's Football And now that that's playing better with what Josh Allen has been doing this season, um, I don't see them not in the AFC Championship game. Josh Allen's single-season franchise record for pass yards, touchdowns, completions, completion percentage. He was out here with 4,544 yards, 37 touchdowns, which ranked 5th, 10 interceptions, which was tied 18th, and 81.7 total QBR throughout 17 weeks, which ranked third across the National Football League. Josh Allen has not yet proven himself in the playoffs, but I think he will be looking to do that this season off of all they've built this year, 13-3, and tied for the best franchise record in terms of wins in a season for the Buffalo Bills. It's looking like it's going to be slightly hot. For them going forward into the playoffs, looking like they're going to be the first game on Saturday. Super wild card weekend, the NFL is calling it. I'm calling it souped up wild card weekend. Two triple header day, two triple headers. I'm sorry, Saturday, Sunday across the NFL. The first game being them Buffalo Bills versus the Indianapolis Colts, a team I was also right about getting into the playoffs, sliding into the playoffs on not only last week's prediction predictions but going back to the original predictions in before the season began. Phillip Rivers, probably his last year in the league, probably his last game in the league because I think the Buffalo Bills will win this one pretty handedly. But it's good to see Buffalo, uh, I'm sorry, Phillip Rivers back into the playoffs before he retires. What's more Phillip Rivers-esque 
being retired than being retired with an early exit in the playoffs. You know, he's got like nine, ten kids. He's been around since Eli's draft with Big Ben, which I've got question marks surrounding Big Ben as well. And we'll just see if that is indeed going to be the last game for my man Phillip sliding into the number seven seed off of the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 28-14, on the season. Not bad. I mean, he only had like 10 interceptions, I believe, on the season. Had a couple of flamey games. T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor has been crushing. So we'll see if they can make some noise. Good, good defense, but I like the Bills in that game. You know, the only reason the Colts had a chance to make the playoffs was because my man Tua did not come through. And there's some serious question marks, I believe, surrounding Tua. Not only with my take on Tua, but with if Tua is going to be the starting quarterback of this Miami Dolphins team going forward, with them now securing the number three overall pick in this draft via the Houston Texans, I mind you, how do you how do you like being the Houston Texans or a Houston Texans fan right now? You got the Sean Watson, 4-12 this team is, leading the league in yards. With Will Fuller, who's been on PD suspensions for like seven weeks. This dude has no weapons. This team is horrible. You got J.J. Watt, perennial elite player in this league, calling out the entire franchise last week. And you just lost your pick via a trade that you just fired your coach of after his 0-4 start to the season, who was your GM, by the way. Just an absolute disaster down there in Houston. It'll be interesting to see if they can fill that GM and head coach vacancy with anybody that can turn that around pretty quick. Because Deshaun Watson is elite, man. And if you could just get this man some help, get the coaching staff that is somewhat stable and knows what they're doing, and get the defense fixed up a little bit, you might be able to compete in these games because Deshaun Watson is just that real. But going back to Tua, which... By the way, sorry to my man, Austin Boulay, the Miami Dolphins eliminated from playoff contention. That was pretty tough. But what's not tough is you have the number three overall pick. What's not tough is with all this controversy surrounding Fitzmagic and him not being able to play, by the way, due to a COVID-19 protocol testing positive for the virus, uh, you know, that stuff's still going to be happening in the NFL. And if the NFL doesn't clean this up over the last few weeks, it'll be interesting to see. But I'm going to be interested to see if Tua can have another shot. If Tua is even going to be even close to considered a guy, or if he's going to be considered a guy like a Dwayne Haskins, like a Josh Rosen, which is just sorry to me because he's coming off one of the craziest injuries of all time, and it seems you're giving up a little bit quick on a guy that had no offseason, preseason activities, obviously coming off a crazy injury, and really got thrown into the fire, then getting pulled and benched two times during that fire. For a guy that won them a game on some Fitzmagic shit, obviously. Uh, I just don't know if he's been shunned a little bit with his confidence. Uh, I think Tua still has the chance to be the guy, though. I'm going to hold out hope on that with my take of him being the best lefty of all time. But hey, everyone's right and wrong sometimes. And what I was certainly right about, heading back all the way 
to the beginning of the season. Bold predictions. Heading back to last week, having the Browns take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph, which they did narrowly, 24-22. Cleveland Browns, 11-5, first playoff berth since 2002, 18 years. Pittsburgh Steelers fall to 12-4, stumbling into the playoffs, losing four out of their last five. They're going to play each other in the playoffs. Oh, so sweet is that. I also saw Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett made amends, which I think with all we saw with the social justice reforms and pushes and all the things we saw this 2020 year for the support of African Americans and, and their rights as well. I think seeing two guys make amends only helps in that conversation as well. So I wanted to definitely shout that out. But I think, you know, Baker Mayfield under 200 yards had a big time run to get it into first down territory to clinch the game. Defense made some plays for the Cleveland Browns like I expected. Kyle Stefanski becomes the... Ties the most wins for his first season as a Browns head coach at all time, going all the way back to a guy in the 1950s. I believe Kyle Stefanski is coach of the year in the NFL. I believe Baker Mayfield is the reason this team will not make it far in the playoffs. We saw them rely on him up against the Jets just one week prior, and he blew it then. This is a run-first run team. This is a defensive stack team. This is a play-action not mess it up Baker Mayfield team. And will they have enough juice to take care of a crippling Ben Roethlisberger? I think he needs to be in a nursing home. Uh, with everything that's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers, all their injuries on defense, which I think is a huge factor. The rushing game, which is putrid. Offensive line, no push. Just short passing game, and that's all they really got. You know what they got. Is that going to be enough? To beat the Cleveland Browns, something we've seen plenty of times before. Um, I believe the Cleveland Browns got them this year, which I think they did a few weeks back. But it'll be interesting to see. That's going to be a big game for me to pick because I'm not so sure. I had the Steelers as an early round exit, but I'm just not so sure I'm going to be able to take and have faith in Baker Mayfield. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. No OBJ, I think that's a factor. People trying to say that Baker Mayfield is better without OBJ. To me, that's just an indictment on Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, you got OBJ, get him the ball. You think Aaron Rodgers is going to be complaining about having an OBJ? You think Justin Herbert or any of these guys are going to be complaining about having an OBJ? I mean, this is the type of stuff that only would happen in Cleveland, in my opinion crazy we are certainly wrong and we're all wrong just got to be able to admit you're wrong was with the tampa bay bucks you know they finished 11 and 5 on the year they make the playoffs they got the five seed they're gonna play the washington football team in the first wild card weekend tom brady 43 years old he has 43 touchdowns on the year way exceeding my expectations which was tied second with russell wilson he had 4,633 yards, which was third. He had the second most in his career in terms of touchdowns, 43. Uh, he led his led the NFL in air distance. Um, Aaron Rodgers was eighth in that category. 
to put that into perspective, 13 years, not in the playoffs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The win and loss record in terms of over 10 wins in 10 years, first time for the franchise. Mike Evans, first player with seven straight 1,000-yard seasons in NFL history. You have A.B. coming off his five consecutive 100-yard reception seasons before Hall. His drama and, you know, leading the league in receptions. He has a big game yesterday, catching 14 balls, a 500K bonus, and 130 yards on three shovel passes. To me, that's exactly what this is, is all about milestones and incentives and not really going to be the old Patriots way when it comes to playoffs. Let's get it where it's at. I think people are on to something where, oh, wow, the Bucks are hot. They're trending at the right time. That's a good thing in the playoffs. Well, they, they're playing over their past three games, the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons twice. And I, I don't need to get into that they shouldn't win those games. But I think competition matters. I think who they've lost up against this year and how they've played in those big games does matter. I think Tom Brady having to play in a little bit colder weather, which if it's not going to be mattering that much in Washington, it's going to be mattering in Lambeau. And I'm just not so sure he's going to be able to lead the charge like everyone thinks he's going to be able to lead the charge. And that's what it's all about for me. Because all I've ever heard from these NFL analysts from all these Tom Brady guys, it was like, oh, man, yeah, some Bucks, Super Bowl, man. Yeah, but, all right, dude, let's just wait and see if that's what it's going to be. And he definitely exceeded my expectations. I was wrong about where they were at. I had them missing the playoffs. But I don't see them going very far in the playoffs. I might have them getting upset by Chase Young in that defense, to be completely honest. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Evans is able to go. I saw him have an injury last week. Running game has been a little bit better. I think the defense is suspect. This is going to come down to, obviously, Tom Brady versus Alex Smith. I think more people will have their faith in Tom Brady, right? But Alex Smith, game manager, great story. There's been only three teams to have a losing record and make the playoffs. 2010 Seahawks with a 7-9 record. 2014 Panthers, 7-8-1 record. And your 2020 football team with a 7-9 record. Playoffs, teams with a losing record in NFL history, excluding the 1982 strike season. Previous two went on to win their first playoff game. Seahawks to the Saints, Panthers to the Cardinals. I think the Washington defense is something we're overlooking a little bit here. Let's see if they can heat up my man, Tommy Bees. In that regard, I was certainly right about those Pats, right? Jeez. They finished 7-9. They took care of the Jets, 28-14. Cool. Cam Newton, looks like they're going to be parting ways. Probably a good idea. Is he going to be a starter in the NFL, you guys think? I'm curious on that. I don't think he is. I think there's serious issues in New England, though. I think Bill Belichick's going to have serious problems if he can't not only get a quarterback to come in, what, via free agency trade, the draft, something. I mean, this man, Bill Belichick, is going to be in trouble if this keeps up. I go and look at some of the weapons that Cam Newton would, would have been able to throw the ball to. I go look at the wide receivers that have been drafted since 2010 by the New England Patriots, a guy named Taylor Price, 
in 2010. A guy in 2012 named Jeremy Ebert. A guy in 2013, Aaron Dobson. A guy in 2013, Josh Boyce. A guy in 2014, Jeremy Gallon. A guy in 2016, Malcolm Mitchell. A guy in 2016, Devin Lu- Lucian. A guy in 2018, Braxton Berrios. A guy in 2019, Kill Harry. Now, you want to know something funny about those first seven names I mentioned? Does anyone know who those guys are? I don't know a single one of those guys. I know uh, Aaron Dobson, I believe. And I know Malcolm Mitchell a little bit because I remember him playing for, I think, the Indianapolis Colts. But all those guys are out of the NFL. Braxton Berrios is on the Jets. And Enkeel Harry is what? Your number one wide receiver? Don't make me pull up his stats this year. Dude, This the problem with this team is they have no weapons. They, they have Their roster is horrible. Like, and that falls on Bill Belichick. Not only was he able to coach this team to a 7-9 season, which I think, due to these circumstances, is mighty incredible. Cam Newton looking like absolute garbage. Running game about the only reason, because the defense kept them in games, but you had about seven opt-outs on the defense side of the ball. That's going to matter. I mean, the fact that this team was able to finish 7-9, pretty good. What is that going to do for you? Where are you going to... You're picking behind me. You're picking behind the Giants. We got a pick before you. What is that going to do for you? In a division that I don't think is trending downward, it's only trending upward with now the Jets firing Adam Gase and what's going to go on with them now having the two pick with what we've seen out of the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins, not only this season, but going back two seasons. This is an issue. And Pats fans, I don't care who y'all are, and how many times y'all won, and how many Super Bowls y'all have. Y'all should be seriously concerned here. And I don't think that's biased at all. We'll see where we'll see where y'all end up. But I was certainly right about y'all this season. Not great at all. A team I was certainly wrong about was the Denver Broncos. And I don't know if it was slight bias from True coming on the pod all the time and telling me, you know, Drew Locke's the guy, telling me, this team is going to be formulating and maybe potentially making the playoffs something I had going into the preseason. I'm skeptical of not only John Elway and his ability to pick quarterbacks. I'm skeptical, obviously, of the injuries on the defense side of the ball. I've been seeing a lot of stuff, Chew. I don't think you guys are going to get Von Miller back. Like, I think Von Miller is not going to be a Denver Bronco. And... If that's the case, what's that going to be like shaking up the leadership of the defense and shaking up the trend of what was the team defense? With Drew Locke, the guy that, I get it, he has some great moments. I think he has a lot of potential, and I think giving up on him could be a mistake. But I would also ask you the same questions. Is this the guy? Is this the guy? And I've had these very... Similar questions about my guy and Daniel Jones. And me and Chewy have sat here and talked about it many a times. And I think something's going on here with not only the Giants, and hopefully they're trending the right way, but with the Broncos. And hopefully they're trending the right way as well. I think you're seeing a little bit of an issue here. But now they're going to have, I believe, the ninth pick, 5-11 and on the year after a 32-31 loss. Yesterday to the Vegas Raiders, who finished the season at 8-8, eight and eight, a team I also had potentially in the playoffs 
as a sleeper, and that was very wrong as well with how they started. Looked like it was going to be all right, and similar to how they finished last year, falling off the map. You know, is Derek Carr the guy? Is John Gruden going to be able to get that team to where everyone thought he was going to be able to get that team signing that 10-year multi-million dollar extension? Well, we'll see. But I think there's some serious question marks surrounding that division with what Justin Herbert's got going on right now and what a guy in my homeboy in Kansas City has going on right now regarding the other two squads. Two squads that I was technically wrong on and you know and it's like damn well they had an expansion of playoffs seven teams so i guess it's possible i thought there was going to be three teams in the nfc west to make the playoffs that went on to be false but there were three teams in the afc north to make the playoffs best division in football potentially potentially a good argument for that i would still argue the nfc west is stronger injuries in san francisco Arizona injuries with Kyler Murray, at, at, you know, tough for them Arizona fans, eliminated with the loss yesterday to John Wolfert, something I was right about, going back to the weekly predictions, dude's coming off of two weeks of finance class and has 22 at 38, 231, he did throw an interception, but won the game 18 to 7, winning in scenario, Rams 10 and 6, clinching playoff spot, Baltimore Ravens, they absolutely shellacked 38 to 3, 11 and 5. And let me just touch on this team real quick, because I think the Baltimore Ravens might be the hottest team in the league right now. You know, they got hit real hard with COVID. Mar Jackson was out. Since then, since that Tuesday night game against the Dallas Cowboys, they've been absolutely dominating the league. Over five games, they have 1,400 rushing yards, which is just 23 shy of the record. They had 403 yesterday. They probably could have ran for 500 yards if Lama stayed in the game. 400-plus rushing yards, just the second time in the Super Bowl era. This dude, Lamar Jackson, in the red zone, 46 touchdowns, zeros interceptions in his entire career. He also became the first player in NFL history to have 2,000 rush yard seasons at QB in the NFL. Defense is formulating perfectly. J.K. Dobbins has taken over that backfield and turned it into a perennial running back in this league right now with what we've seen out of guys like Zeke. I mean, where would you even rank? Like, J.K. Dobbins would be ranked above Zeke, no doubt, right now, if you had to go rank the running backs. Tell me you wouldn't. I mean, shit, he'd be ranked above Saquon Barkley. He can't even play. It is crazy when you look at the NFL and how fast it goes. You know, I was seeing uh, last night watching the Eagles game. Uh, Zach Ertz, he's been out. He's been on the league. He's been on the Eagles for eight years. Eight years, this man's been on the Eagles. Damn, dude. No, no wonder why it's a not for long. I swear he's been on the team for like four. It's like, damn. I'm either getting old or I'm just losing track of time. It's absolutely crazy to see. But I think the Ravens are the real deal for sure. And they got a rematch heading into the arch emesis that took out them last year. But let me just remind you what happened with the Baltimore Ravens last year. They did a little bit extended of what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing right now, which is resting, guys, for you're talking three weeks, 21 days, a lot of time off. When you were playing that hot, one of the best teams in the league, unanimous MVP for Lamar Jackson 
uh, last year, I believe. I mean, they were, the, they were the best team in the league last year, no doubt. And they ran into the buzzsaw, the hottest team in the league. Well, now, I think the roles are reversed a little bit. Tennessee stayed the course from what they had last year. Derrick Henry, incredible. Let me just shout out Derrick Henry real quick. Got to give Chewy a shout out. He had him getting 2K. He did get 2K, just the eighth player of all time to do so. Did Derrick Henry. Joining elite company. I mean, let me let me just pull up this list because this, this dude is crazy. He had, th- he had 34 carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns yesterday. He needed 223 to get to 2K in the game. Everyone going into the game is thinking like, oh, yeah, no way he's getting that. He got 253. Two tutties. Derrick Henry has three 200-yard rushing games this season. The only player in NFL history with more 200-yard rushing games in a single season is Earl Camel, who had four in 1980. Back-to-back rushing titles for Derrick Henry. He's 700-plus yards clear of all active running backs in that category this season after winning it last season. 2,027 rushing yards total, I believe, getting him to 2K. But this dude is, without a doubt, in my opinion, has to be in the offense of player of the year conversations, if not MVP conversations. The list he joins in terms of eight players in NFL history to get 2,000 rushing yards in a season. Joining Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, Terrell Davis, Jamal Lewis, Chris Johnson, OJ Simpson, who was the first, and Adrian Peterson, who was the last to do so back in 2012. But can't wait to get into those games picks because I love a rematch after what we saw last year. Baltimore taking on Tennessee. Super souped up wild card weekend coming up this Saturday and Sunday across the NFL. I am going to take my quick break. When I come back, I'm going to go through some of the shout outs across the NFL, week 17, and will transfer into some NBA college football playoff discussions and probably a few other topics before I head out for the day. Be right back in the Seggy Station. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. The Seggy Station is brought to you by Callie's Love. A man's best friend is his dog. Shout out to rescue much to many, but a life-saving companion to me. To me, not to promote true home happiness and household, better love a companion of a pet. Get yourself a level of pet friend like mine at your local animal shelter, pound and nursery. Save their life and they just might save yours. Now it's time for your Sports Center update. New Year's six game, bowl season. Since he suffers its first loss in heartbreaking fashion, 24-21 to Georgia. On a 54-yard field goal as time expired. You had Bama take care of Notre Dame pretty handily. You had Ohio State take care of Clemson pretty handily. Big L for Dabo. You got the over-under 76 points. Breaks a record for new ground in college football. What about the 19.5 favorite for Bama in the semifinal game? College football is whack, man. Pacers forward T.J. Warren will undergo surgery to repair a stress fracture in his left foot. He'll be out indefinitely 
Averaged 15 points through his first four games after his breakout performance, as we all recall, last year. Technically last year in the Orlando bubble. Jags part ways with Doug Marone. Jets part ways with Adam Gase. Chargers part ways with Anthony Lynn. Certainly right about it there. Lions, Falcons, Texans, Jags, Jets, Chargers. Head coaching vacancies in the NFL currently. See if I'm right about my boy Dougie P. The NCAA Men's Basketball Committee has announced it will be a single-site NCAA tournament. Majority of the 67 games played will be in Indiana, held in Indianapolis. Packers All-Pro left tackle David Batiari done for the season after tearing his ACL in Thursday's practice. That may be a big loss for them come playoff time. The Packers did not lock up, I'm sorry, the one seed in the NFC East. I'm sorry, the NFC this past week. Fucking NFC East. Mississippi State, 28-26 over Tulsa in the Armed Forced Bowl. Massive brawls breaking out after this bowl, though. A handout discipline if necessary. Yeah, a lot of discipline going to be handed out. It, totally necessary. Dude, kick the dude. I saw a dude literally stomp on a dude and then run away. Like, if you're going to get in the fight, bro... At least stand in there and fight. Don't run away after you throw and kick people. Stupid. With helmets on. One of the stupidest things I've seen during bowl season. Which, by the way, is such a joke. Bowl season is such a joke. You got some teams playing bowl games that have three to four wins because other teams are opting out because of COVID. Because, by the way, you only got four teams that are able to compete for a national championship. I don't know what's going on. With college football, but they got to figure this out, man. I really hope they, as my 2021 sports aspirations, expand the college football playoff in 2021. I feel like it only helps the sport. I mean, talking about ratings and, and the money and having the ratings up. Ratings, you're going to have more people watching, in my opinion, if you got more of a tournament going on. Like, all right, yeah, you got blowouts going on, anyways. 19 point favorite in semifinal? Crazy. Nick Seglini here, tuning back in. This is Sega Station Podcast. Appreciate all of love and support. Everyone's been showing to the podcast. As always, you can follow my Instagram page at Sega Station, at Twitter, Sega Station. Live streaming on my Twitch, it's underscore Sega underscore G. We also got it out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cats, Radio Public, always available on Podbean. Instagram, link in my bio as well. Plenty of areas. Hopefully you can get your podcast there. Let me clean up. Let me clean up the rest of this NFL season. Did want to give a few shout outs across this NFL season, particularly the first one to Justin Jefferson. Now, let me just say, if there's one thing that's going to happen in week 17, it's Marvin Jones Jr. is going to have 200 yards and two touchdowns, and Matthew Patford doing what he always does, just padding mad stats in games, never accumulating wins. I feel bad for this man. Get this man on another team. Matt Stafford got to be out of Detroit. Justin Jefferson in this game, though. He did not only break Randy Moss's franchise rookie receiving record in this game, Justin Jefferson breaks Anquan Bolden's NFL rookie receiving record in this game. Dude is an absolute stud. I've read all the stats off on this guy 
can't miss on this guy. He is going to be something for them going forward. Hopefully they can get something better than Kirk Cousins throwing to him going forward. I had some game picks. had Buffalo right there, had Green Bay right there, had Baltimore in a route, and had the Browns right there. Had Minnesota taken the game for Dalvin Cook, which they did, had Colts in a victory, and had the Chargers with an upset. So the Blazing 7, 7 0 off the bat. Was wrong about the Jets' upset. Was right about the Giants and wrong about the football team because I needed it. Was right about Tampa Bay winning the game. We'll see if I'm right about them going forward or if everyone else that is on the Tampa Bay bandwagon is right going forward. To me, it's going to depend on what's good with the health of Mike Evans. New Orleans in a route, Tennessee in a nail-biter, which, by the way, I mentioned Derrick Henry and all he did. And you got a kicker in Steven Gaskowski, who hasn't been great on the season, but he's in protocol for COVID. And for the AFC South, for the Tennessee Titans, first time since 2008, Postseasons in three out of their last four years after missing the previous eight years. On a game-expiring field goal after a 54-yard Hail Mary to A.J. Brown, basically. I mean, just incredible stuff for them to pull off that win. It's just typical out of Mike Rabel. I've seen it out of his teams a lot. But his defense right now is vulnerable. I think Llama is about to pick that shiz apart. Derrick Henry is going to have to run for 350. They're thinking. Ryan Tannehill is a sleeper, though. And A.J. Brown is is legit with D.K. Metcalf, which, by the way, I got to give D.K. Metcalf a shout-out because he passes Hall of Famer Steve Largent for the most yards in a single season by a Seahawks wide receiver. Not bad for a second-year player. So the game picks were decent this week. You got to give some credit right here to the NFL. You had... 256 games played in the middle of a pandemic. No bubble. 100% of games played. You had a red zone. 12th season yesterday. The previous record on a any given Sunday in terms of touchdowns total was 85. Yesterday you had 96 total touchdowns. And as I mentioned, you had seven playoff spots available for grabs. The most since 1990 heading into week 17. With all that happened in week 17, absolutely Phenomenal for the integrity of the game for the NFL and for the Shield, minus Doug Peterson's decision there on Sunday Night Football. That was egregious, to say the least. And I would be like, I wonder what Duke and I wonder what Smikes would say to me if if my team did that and they needed my team to win. And my team threw in my third string quarterback and didn't play players and, and folded with coaching to say, like, dude, you'd be livid. You'd be absolutely livid. Let me start up a bell and tell you what I'm livid about, which is the college football playoff. So you have Bama take care of Notre Dame 31-14. to Their 0-7 is Notre Dame since 1998 in New York 6 or college football playoff games. You know, they've been outscored in those games, I believe, the Stat was by 146 points or something outrageous. You know, you got blown out again. And 
you know, why I'm telling Dukes this the other day, and I don't understand this. With Oklahoma playing great, and we saw, I think, the best game on that day was a New Year's Six game. They're calling Georgia and uh, Cincinnati, who was undefeated, by the way, also. Those teams can't compete for a national championship. They're treating, they're treat, uh, competing for a Dukes Mayo Bowl trophy that the dude's dropping and then taping Dukes Mayo to it. I don't understand why not more teams, when you have 365 of them in the FBS, not able to compete for what is a national championship. It's just four every year. It's very similarly the four, same four every year. And if not, yeah, mix in here, different few here and there. But it's primarily the same two. Primarily the same one at the end. The same one or two at the end. And yeah, ratings and all these phenomenal things that you're talking when it comes to the money in college football. You don't even pay the fucking players. So I don't understand the whole thing with this in college football and their arguments and what they got going on. And now great, you got number one Alabama going up against number three Ohio State, which by the way, they played five less games than Alabama. Well, they play five, six get less games than Clemson. Like, I I don't understand how somebody doesn't see something wrong with that. Like, you I don't even think you need to be an athlete to know this, but I'm slightly an athlete. If you play 10 games and you play five games, wear and tear on your body, really no matter what sport you're playing, if I play 10 golf matches or five golf matches, realistically, I'm probably a little more burnt out 10 golf matches in than I am five. Just like I am 10 football games in, then five. Football, contact sport, bumps, nicks, bruises. You know, I don't understand how the committee can act like this is the right decision. I don't understand how people can look me in the eyes and act like this is the right decision. Like, this is not on Ohio State. This is on Big Ten for not starting on time. But they still didn't meet the qualifications to even play in the conference championship game. They had to bend those rules as well. It's absolute bullshit in my opinion, man. College football sucks. And I will just always be on that side of the argument until they either expand or do something different. And that's just where I'm at. I think it's pretty cool that college basketball announced they were going to have a single-site tournament. Talked about that a little bit, uh, you know, during the reads with everything going on with COVID. Obviously, probably a smart idea. Basically, a huge AAU-style tournament now. Be interesting to see how they pull this one off, but definitely going to be following it. I follow college basketball way more than I college, follow college football. Yeah, take a look at this. Notre Dame and BCS in New York Six Bulls. 2000, Oregon State lost 41-9. 2005, Ohio State, 34-20. 2006, to LSU, 41-14. 2012, Alabama, 42-14. 2015, Ohio State, 44-28. 2018, Clemson, 30-3. Yeah, outscored 144 points since 1998. You know, and then when you look at Alabama, they got Devontae Smith, who now has 20 receiving touchdowns, making Alabama the first in FBS to have a player with 20 receiving TDs, Devontae Smith, and 20 rushing TDs, Najee Harris, in a single season. Not only with the best five offense and defense alignment in the, in the sport and the best two cornerbacks in the sport, 
Oh, probably the best quarterback in the sport. Devontae Smith tied the single as uh the SEC single season history with Jamar Chase 2019, obviously last year with LSU and what Joey Burrow was doing. This dude, Devontae Smith's the real deal. He's gonna be he's gonna be unreal. Uh, I got you got people saying that he's the best wide receiver the league's ever seen. And some and some dudes have been there for 15 plus years. So you know, I'm very angry that they're not going to have a chance as the New York Giants to scoop a Devontae Smith. He'll be way gone before that, man. He had three receiving touchdowns, which tied most in Rose Bowl history and a school bowl game record. He had five receiving touchdowns in college football games, playoff games, which is the most all time. You know, they had they had this guy with Jerry Judy and Waddle. I mean, this is unreal. Like, yeah, no shit they're going to win against whoever, whoever you put into the tournament this season or any season when Bama is this stacked, you're going to win. They're bringing in two top five recruits at the offensive line the first time in Alabama in FBS history to do that this offseason. Just reamping up again. No big deal. I did see that Texas fires Tom Herman and expected to bring in offensive coordinator of Alabama, Steve Sarkeesian. This dude hasn't been good anywhere he's been besides Alabama. And to me, this is a mistake. Because Texas is trying to get on the map, right? Be there for the first time since Vince Young, right? Get back into the Final Four, right? Which is pretty damn hard to do, right? Steve Sarkeesian's the guy? No. They've been saved, all these guys that go and get saved, including Steve Sarkeesian, Going back to Nick Saban at Bama. Not a smart hire in my opinion. I'm not even sure how long Tom Herman was there. But I don't think it was very long. And you just see these guys getting clipped so quick. When it's like, dude. Give the dude a chance to at least recruit for four years. I mean, I don't know. Before I get into the NBA and get out of here. I did have this other topic I needed to touch on because I mentioned it a little bit where AB got three shovel passes right at the end of the game from Brady to get his $500,000 incentive. We saw Emmanuel Sanders with a celebration after catching his eighth pass in the game, getting him to 60 passes on the season for his $500,000 incentive. We saw a couple other guys and Tom Brady Finishing the top five in passing yards. He finished third, $562,500 extension. $1.1 million if the Cowboys made the playoffs for Andy Dalton. Didn't get there. Devontae Parker, $750,000 if he catches four for 73 yards on Sunday. Believe he did that. These guys all set up to get that. Like shoveling passes. And do, like, bro. These dudes already get overpaid. They're out here getting incentives like this. And to make it worse, they're blatantly doing things to get them in, in the Week 17 games. I mean, this this to me is a bad look for the NFL. Like, dudes that have won that money this week, in my opinion, with everything going on, yo, why don't you, why don't you donate some of that back? Why don't you hook up some dudes with a PS5? Why don't you... Give some money to, to, to help out charities, hospitals, cancer, COVID, homeless, something, bro. Because 
when you're doing something that fucking shady, like Tom Brady shoveling a few passes to AB to help him out, and Emmanuel Sanders clearly getting targets because of it, like, and, and, Drew, and Sean Payton saying that, it, just, I don't understand, man. I don't understand. When you got people out here struggling right now, not even knowing when their next, you know, check is coming in, not only from unemployment or regular employment or whatever, man, not even knowing when they're able to get their next meal. I mean, this shit is ridiculous. With everything going on, that's the most important thing is incentives in the NFL. And everyone clapping at them like it's the biggest thing in the world to get these. I just don't get it. I genuinely just don't get it. Let me just clean up a few more things in the NFL. A few bad calls yesterday. Mainly that one in the Lions game. Fourth and goal roughing the passer on Kirk Cousins. Take a look at that. Go look that up week 17 and tell me that's not the worst call you've ever seen in NFL history. The top five picks in the 2021 NFL draft order are officially set. Jags 1, Jets 2, Dolphins 3 via the Texans as I mentioned. Falcons 4, Bengals 5. Be interested to get into a few of the topics across the NFL, not only with playoff picks, but how the NFL season concluded for a lot of teams with some of my boys. Looking forward to linking up with them soon. Xavier Howard, he recorded his 10th interception of the season. He's the first player with 10 interceptions in a season since Antonio Camardi in 2007. Howard's 10 interceptions ties a single-season franchise record set by Dick Westmoreland in 1967 for the Dolphins. I believe Zabian Howard should be the Defensive Player of the Year. I know TJ Watt is up there with 15 sacks, but I believe that should go to Zabian Howard. I would have Devontae Adams as the Offensive Player of the Year, even though I think Derrick Henry's in that conversation and probably should earn it as well. Justin Herbert clearly... Offensive Rookie of the Year, and if not, obviously it's going to be one of the Justins and Justin Jefferson, but I believe Justin Herbert just took it over. And Chase Young, Defensive Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. I talked about Kyle Stefanski as Coach of the Year. Those would be my picks in that regard. Talked about the Bills a bunch today. The Buffalo Bills scored 56 points today, their second most in a single game in franchise history, 58 versus the Dolphins in Week 3, 1966. Buffalo is the first team to enter the playoffs, winning strict straight games all by double digits, first since the Seahawks in 2014 via Elias Sports. Watch out for them, Bills. Let me touch on some NBA before I get out of here. I didn't need to touch on this before I touched on any of the other topics, which was Steph Curry. Now, I need to shout out my man, Rich. Rich was on the pod last week. I asked him who was going to get 51st. He gave me a bold take saying that the Blazers and Warriors were playing a back-to-back. Either Damian Lillard or Steph Curry would get to 50 points. Well, Rich was spot on the money with that. Steph Curry, last night in 36 minutes, had 62 points, 18 of 31 field goals, 8 of 16 from 3, 18 of 19 from the free throw line, 62 points, 18 free throws were both career highs for Steph Curry. I believe he had five rebounds and four assists or vice versa in the game as well. But in his first five games, Steph Curry was shooting 32% from three. They lost to the Nets by 23 plus points. They lost to Milwaukee by 39. 
They beat the Bulls by one. They lost to Portland by 25 and since got revenge last night on historic night from Steph Curry. I talked about the Warriors having a chance to make the playoffs and the only chance would be historic Steph Curry every single night. I know that's kind of tough to do, but 32% from three from Steph Curry is to me underachieving through five games. So yes, his one good game and the Jordan meme and watch this and I took a personal that from Steph Curry. Let's see if you can keep it going, bro. I know you got Draymond Green back, but by the way, with Draymond Green back, y'all combined for 63 points last night. How many y'all have? Oh, wait. You had 62. All right, yeah, not great. I refer to myself in 2K sometimes as Dr- Draymond Green. My friends hate, hate that. Yo, Draymond, you got to step it up, bro. Like, you got to step it up if the Warriors are going to have any chance of making the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. You're 3-3 three and three through six games in which, in my opinion... You should have lost another, and potentially because of not a historic night, you should be 1-5. Let's see if you can keep it going, Steph Curry. Let's see if Kelly Oubre can stop shooting 1-21 from 3. If Wiggins can hit water if he fell out of a boat. If Wiseman can continue to, continue to be the rookie we've seen. I, I just don't see it without Clay being there. I just don't see it without some of these other pieces in which they've had before that were much better and A, a better and healthier Draymond Green and Obviously, them missing Kevin Durant is a factor. I mean, to 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 act like Kevin Durant wasn't with the Golden State Warriors for a little bit in terms of what the Golden State Warriors created and have become in terms of this dynasty is is blasphemy to not think about that. Like he's not there anymore. And Klay Thompson, obviously, tough back to back season ending injuries, which is crucial. Is he ever gonna be the same? So I just wait to see, even though Steph Curry had back-to-back MVPs 2015-2016, one of them unanimous, it'll be interesting to see if in 2021 Steph Curry is that. I mean, that's five years removed from that. And he had a phenomenal game last night. He's he's able to do that at any time. He's probably one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen all the time. But can he do it consistently enough for his team to make the playoffs, for his team to be good enough to compete in the Western Conference? I'm just not seeing it. Neither is my man Rich Hot Takes Letty. Uh, let me get into a little of this. I asked Rich in the chat. He's not able to make it today. I asked him what he thought was more interesting. The fact that we have now the 76ers and Suns with the best record in the NBA or the Wizards and the Nuggets basically with the worst records in the NBA through two weeks, not counting last night with game being games being played and obviously standings being affected. Uh, I'm stunned by the Wizards. They did pick up a win last night against the Nets, which is just wild. Durant and Kyrie missed game go-ahead field goals with, you know, time left. Uh, Russ has been brutal shooting. Brad Beal is leading the NBA in scoring right now, and they're, and they're two and five or whatever they are, which is brutal. I, w- I was right about the Nuggets slightly. Jamal Murray went off last night, and Jokic had another triple-double, so we'll see if they're able to keep it going and prove me wrong. But I-, I just didn't see the Nuggets being able to keep what they had last year going in the bubble this season and be interesting to see if they're able to climb back up in the standings, if the Wizards are going to be able to climb back up in the standings. I'm not surprised at all about the Suns. I expected them to be a playoff team. I expect them to be good. I am slightly 
surprised about the Sixers, and I need to give the Sixers a little bit of love here. Because I didn't have them being this good this quick. I do think the Sixers are looking a little scarier in an Eastern Conference that, in my opinion, is a little bit stronger than it has been, but in other people's opinion, is still extremely weak. And with the Bucks off to a rough start, something I predicted, with the Heat off to a rough start, something I didn't predict, with the Pacers off to a decent start, something I didn't predict, the Sixers are off to, I think, the best start in the East. And with Kemba not there for the Celtics, we see Jason Tatum with a couple game winners already this year. And what his factor and Jalen Brown's factor will be if Kemba can come back and be anything that we know Kemba to be. You know, my man Smike's UConn guy telling me he doesn't think Kemba will ever be the same. You know, wearing tear on his body, all the stuff he not only did for UConn, but Charlotte all those years being the best player literally on the team day in day out playing as hard as he possibly can you got to appreciate it but didn't have any wins or playoffs or nothing to say for it and you know you make a valid point because what we've seen him do since he's been to the Celtics has been nothing but not really help or been injured so it'll be interesting to see what impact Kemba can have or if he gets traded or, or what goes on with all that but I'm I'm curious to see where we're out with some of these teams come just a few weeks from now because I think the standings will then be a little bit more set and we'll be able to see where the NBA is really at. Looking forward to getting into much more of that with my man Rich. Look at me rhyming like I'm cat in the hat. I was also a little bit semi-right about the Raptors, huh? Tampa Raptors, their start down in Tampa – a little laggy, not a good record, sliding back. Be interesting to see if the Tampa Raptors got a shirt coming in. Be able to get that hardware on the pod. Shout out to my neighbor who hooked me up with a nice Missouri sweatshirt, which I'm going to show off to the pod a little bit today. Pretty sure I covered just about everything I had for the day, which is good. Besides this, and I saved the best for last. Something I always like to do. I have some recordings that I really need to get through at some point too, but I'm thinking I'm going to come on and do that hopefully over the next couple days. Got some stuff to do. But let me shout out my bocce on the way out of here. My bocce, my grandmother. We lost a couple of Hall of Famers, you know, on Saturday across the sports world in what was not only a tough day for me, but a tough day for the NBA community, the NFL community. We lost Paul Westfall, NBA Hall of Famer, a legendary coach, died at the age of 70. We lost another Hall of Famer on the NFL side. And Not even, uh, I'm going to have to find it because I'll be pissed, but I won't be able to find it right now because my phone's eking and I can't ruin this segment for my bocce. But I did lose a Hall of Fame member of my family on Saturday. And my grandmother, my bocce, which, by the way, it's bittersweet because I've been on here the past few weeks and it's been hard. It's been a lot of trials and tribulations for me, just like everybody else this year. I think it's important that... Although it's 2021, I don't think anyone's going to forget 2020 anytime soon. 
when you look at all the things that not only happened in the sports world in 2020, just in terms of obviously before the pandemic really hit, you had the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Then we had obviously the pandemic hit. We had the restart. We had the social justice movements, which I think sparked several conversations that are leading to great solutions and answers today. You saw the Seattle Storm win the WNBA Finals. You saw the Lakers win an NBA championship. You saw Zion make his debut. We saw the last dance. We saw, which literally saved us during the quarantine period. You, before any of this happened, we saw Kobe tragically pass away with his daughter in a helicopter accident. We saw a couple of incredible matches which featured Tiger, Phil, Brady, Steph Curry, Incredible, I'll say, in terms of content, not really in terms of the golf, but it was an unbelievably filled season of sports with obviously a halt on sports with obviously a ton of loss, not only for local families and and communities and all people. I mean, there's been 400,000 people and... Now you just look at not only from just COVID, but the people that we lost in the sports world in 2020. David Stern, Don Larson, Sam White, George Pearls, John Altabelli, Kobe Bryant, Gigi Bryant, Chris Dolman, Willie Wood, Roger Kahn, Mari Mann, James Lipton, Tony Fernandez, Ed Ingalls, Del Schofner, Curly Neal, Tom Dempsey, Bobby Mitchell, Al Kyline, Anthony Causey, Tavares Jackson, Hank Steinbrenner, Willie Davis, Mike Curtis, Don Shula, John Tierlinick, Richie Caldwell, Ken Riley, Jim Kick, Max Tuick, Joe Boogle, Carlton Hasselrig, Regis, Phil- Regis Philbin, Pete Hamill, Howard Mudd, Claudel Washington, Jerry Sloan, Mike Storen, Pepper Rogers, Bob Watson, Michael B. McCaskey, Philly George, Phyllis George, Eddie Sutton, Pat Dye, Wes Unseld, Johnny Majors, Jimmy Orr, Travis Roy, Herb Adderley, Paul Orneg, Tommy Heinsong, Von McClure, Fred Dean, Joe Morgan, Whitney Ford, Bob Gibson, Gail Sayers, Lou Brock, Tommy Seaver, John Thompson, Cliff Robinson, Lou Olson, Jake Scott, Diego Mardana, Jim Honifin, Ray Perkins, Lorenzo Talaferro, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, John Lewis, Chadwick Bozeman, Kirk Douglas, Little Richard, Mary Higgins Clark, Ty Jordan, Casey Jones, Kevin Green, Gene Morris, Marcus Paul, Charlie Pride, Dick Allen, David Lander, Rayford Johnson, Phil Nurko. You know, my point here, in memoriam of 2020, in the list of not only athletes and sports phenomenons, but actresses and old, young, you want me to sit here and read a list of 400,000 people? And all the families and millions of people across this country that have been affected. And thankfully my grandmother 
did not get COVID-19 and did not die from COVID-19. She suffered for a few weeks. It was very tough. I got to see her a bunch. It was great. I got to spend 26 years of my life with my grandmother. It was fantastic. She was one of the most important people in my life. And I'll miss her and I love her so much. And I know she supports all the things that I've been doing, that I'll always be doing. And, and you know, it's hard to not going to be saying I'm going to be not missing my grandma. I mean, of course I am, but I think she's now in a better place, not suffering. But I will say this. She's somebody I could have called and talked to every day, which I did. She's somebody that always got me upright when I was feeling down. And I don't have much of that left around. It's partially affected me greatly, to be honest. But I got a few friends that are trying to pick me up and get me right and appreciate all that. I mean, that's great. I just think that over time I've learned it's something I have to do by myself. I mean, I'm just because I am by myself, but yeah, by yourself, everyone's got to deal with this shit by themselves, right? I mean, I wish things were different for sure. <laughs> I think most people think things went a lot differently this past year and for themselves all the time. So I'm not the only one, but... It does hit home sometimes when things are what they are and here I am chilling, talking sports today solo. Normally got some dudes around, but I will miss my grandmother not being able to see her and talk to her. And on my dog's fifth birthday at the age of 91, my bocce is now resting in peace. And for all the things that happened in 2020 with sports, for individuals, trials and tribulations and tragedy and loss and all that, let's just shout out all those people. And everybody that's been affected, because it's been everybody. More people should be showing love at this time. And I just hate not seeing that. I really do. I try to spread as much love as I can. I just, I really do. I try and help people, as many people as I can. You know, I'm hoping to get a package soon so I can support one of my local friends, high school friends, Shayna Riley, who does Unreal Things. I've plugged her on the pod before. I've supported other people I've seen doing similar things to me that I know. I try to support other people's dreams and aspirations. I try to support 
other people's happiness. So all the support I get back in that regard for me and what I'm doing is greatly appreciated, man. It's been tough for all of us, honestly. But it's been... I don't like to be selfish about it and make it about me and complain and all this. It's just been so hard for so long. And, uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out everything this offseason. I'm still trying to figure out what's going to be when's next season. I mean, what's going to be going on with COVID and Biden and everything. I mean, it's just everything is so fucking crazy <laughs> in the sports world. News related, COVID. I mean, let's just get right down to it. Everything that's going on is just flat out ridiculous, crazy. Can't make it up. 2020 is something you're going to want to forget, but you'll never be able to forget. And I I think 2021 is going to be at least starting out very similarly. (laughs) I mean, shit. All... Saints running backs were not present this week for the New England Saints, including Alvin Kamara, who tested positive for the virus, I think, for the second time. But let me just say this. The NFL doesn't clean that up for the playoffs. That's going to be an issue for me and a lot of people. Imagine if it happens to the Saints yet again, something like that. I, uh, I don't know. And I'm talking to my uncle. I went and saw him. You know, I saw my family. Shout out to my Omi, by the way. She sent me uh, some nice love. Who's part of my family out in the West Coast there, Arizona, Texas area. They're big Arizona Cardinals fans. Tough, tough one, but family, fam. Uh, but she gave me a shout out. So much love. Hopefully she's listening. I mean, I think about it like that. Like my neighbor's moving away. She can watch me on my Twitch. She can listen to me like. I'm not going to be able to see her. Like, my grandma, I've never seen since I was, like, 10 down in Florida. I'm not. Uh, she's been sick with lung cancer and really hope she's doing well. But, like, I can't get out there now. And it's, like, I always want to take a trip. And it's, like, with the, everything's so messed up. So, can the NFL keep it under control? Can the NBA keep it out of control with the Clippers announcing a bunch of staffers test positive? And will they be able to shut it down or not shut it down or keep it going? I mean, this is what it's all about for me. Can we keep sports going or sports going? Can we get things slightly going back towards what is what we're going to call the normal trend? Because I don't know if we're going to get back to what we're going to call normal, but like we're going to go quote unquote normal because like I've been telling people and I've been way scared about this virus and I'm not saying that I'm going to just go out and be stupid, reckless and do dumb shit. But like, bro, am I never going to be able to go to a football game or a basketball game again? Am I never going to be able to go to the restaurant and the bar with my buddies, which I don't really do anyways, but if I really wanted to, I can't. Can I go do anything, really? Like, and that's the thing, people still are. So yeah, you can, but it's more of a mentality thing. It's more of like, hey, can we all get to one point so we can get to another? I think that's more my issue. And I just hope we can, I really do. That's all I had for the airwaves today. Appreciate all listening as always. And as always, I still have no shame what I had to say. It's the man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody, peace and love. Stay safe out there. Seggy Station.